Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. It's good to see everyone here. And those of you watching on Facebook and YouTube, great to have you as well. I can't believe it's almost two weeks from today. It'll be Easter. can't believe it's already here. Hope you can make it. Bring someone. Be a good day. My last church was mostly college students and younger adults. And when I would um, preach on sex or sexual immorality, many of them would squirm with conviction. And by God's grace, hopefully it would lead to repentance and forgiveness. Now, the congregation that I pastor now is mostly not college students. But there is something that can make you squirm with conviction. And that's when I talk about money or greed. There's the exit. You can leave now. But where necessary, may it lead to repentance and grace. Uh, If you want to turn in your Bibles, if you're not there already, to Matthew chapter 6. We are going through the Sermon on the Mount uh, do, you, do you guys know who's speaking in the Sermon on the Mount? That would be Jesus. So what he's about to say matters, and the whole Bible matters for sure, but what he's about to say really is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, saying something to you about money. He's going to talk to you about two treasures, two eyes, and two masters, and has to do with the condition of your heart and your financial focus. And it should, for some of you, lead to a time of conviction and repentance and grace. Jesus is going to go right at your heart. Let's start with two treasures. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Valuable treasures for you would be things such as cars and jewelry or maybe your technical, technological equipment. And, but back then, the things were expensive fabric and metals. And both of these items were in danger of being stolen. Thieves could dig through the wall and steal the stuff, and take off. So in order to protect the valuables, you had to like dig a hole or hide them somewhere safe. Uh, You got to put the fabric in a secure place where the thieves will never find it. But the problem is, even if the security system of the day was impressive and thieves never found the valuables, you still had an issue of moths that could eat away. Uh, And then you have the issue of corrosion, where things can be destroyed. So here's the deal. 
Why would you put your valuables in a place where they are going to be stolen or destroyed? It doesn't make any sense, right? And yet that is the eternal destiny of all earthly physical things. And I have witnessed this in my life at a very young age. In my 20s, I was the caretaker of my grandmother. Now, this is just my experience, not saying it's going to be your experience or was your experience, but let me just tell you what I observed because as I was taking care of her through the years, there was a time she had to go into a nursing home. And I've observed something in the second largest nursing home in Dallas that really blew me away as an early 20-something. I would notice that people would come in often through the assisted living portion of the facility. And at that point, they had already given up their cars, most of them. And also, they have given up their homes. And for the most part, they've given up their beds, so they're in a new place. So they've kind of left those things that all of us have accumulated behind. And then after some time, when their health would turn bad, this is what I really saw with my grandmother, they would be transferred to the, to the more the nursing care facility of the portion of the larger facility. And when they would arrive to that place, at least for my grandmother, I mean, my grandmother, whom I love, I miss her. I was just thinking about her just yesterday. Uh, but she would, uh, when she got there, she had her clothes, she had her wedding ring, she had her wig that I took care of, <laughs> she had her TV. Now, what I would notice is that over time, as the health would deteriorate, the, the, the wig goes, and then the, the ring, you know, I notice it gets lost or stolen, the TV becomes ignored, and then eventually, just where I was, not saying it happens here, where I was, the residents are just wearing whatever clothes that are in the community pile. I mean, not even wearing their own clothes. And perhaps you've heard the statement before. Um, the, the question is, how did you go bankrupt? Gradually, then suddenly. And that's what I would notice, this gradual progression, and then a sudden, it's all, it's all gone. But here's what's cool. Some believers there who love Jesus face that time with joy, trust, faith. And they were losing things. But they also knew they had treasures in a place that cannot be touched. That would be what we would call treasures in heaven. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Look at verse 20 and 21. He says, don't store them up on this earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to be real careful here because most of you are American Christians. And it has been said of American Christians that we have failed to listen to these passages without qualifying, spiritualizing, or dismissing them. We see passages like this, you know, the passage where it talks about the widow, where she puts in all that she had to live on, or you, you talk about the rich young ruler who's being called to give away all his possessions and passages like this. And we quickly want to come and say, well, let me qualify that. Well, let me spiritualize that. Uh, let me dismiss that. Be careful when you approach these passages 
because I, I even wonder, can Jesus speak into your life? Can Jesus speak to you right now without you putting up the guard? Can he speak to you right now? He's saying, don't store up treasures on this earth. Those valuables will be lost or stolen, but put your treasures in heaven. And we got to say, Jesus, what does that mean? Well, part of what it means is giving to the poor. I think that's what he has in mind. Because if you look at verse 2 of chapter 6, He says, so when you give to the poor, so I think that's part of the giving here, treasures in heaven. And then the apostle Paul makes this connection between the treasures in heaven and sharing with those in need. I want to put this passage up for you. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. He says, as for the rich, that would be all of you, by the way. As for the rich in this present age, Charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Okay, you can enjoy your stuff. They are to do good, and here it is, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God, but those who are blessed are to seek to generously bless others. And as your hearts are focused on the kingdom priorities, you'll put your money there. Because Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, you've heard the concept that uh, uh, the money follows the heart, right? But I think you could also say the heart follows the money. Because let's just say, you know, you're like, man, I'm not really interested in caring for poor people. I'm not really interested in missionaries. I'm not really interested in giving to the church. My heart's just not in it. I can't give them unless my heart's in it. Watch this. Put your money there and watch your heart follow. It's just like, a, you know, owning stock, right? So if, let's say you own some Apple computer stock, okay? And you're interested you pay attention, you check the price, you hope their new iPhone release is successful because your, your heart is following your money, right? So when you are putting your money and caring for the poor and giving to missions and giving to your church, your, your, your heart is going to follow. In a couple of months, I just want to give you a heads up here, on, on May 8th and 9th, you might want to put this on your calendars, um, it, at our church, we are going to have an investment conference. Oh, did I say investment? I'm sorry. We're going to have a missions conference. You see how that works? Yeah? As you invest in the kingdom, you're interested. You want to see the kingdom grow and expand. You're, you're putting your money. You know, you know, our church puts 25% of our budget toward missions. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal here. And so you got to wonder, okay, so, so how can I, I, I live this way? You know, how, how can I get in on this? And, and let me tell you how you can live this way. You know what happens next. It's like you've just received a, a hot uh, stock tip. You've been tipped off that there is an eternity. 
And you know that the renewal of all things is coming in the new heavens and the new earth. And so you can invest your money in the kingdom. And when you do that, some people may think you're crazy. Some may think you're wasting your money and your time. And I just want to tell you, if there was not an eternal life with Christ forever, it wouldn't make sense the way you live. Wouldn't it be great that the way you live and the way you give and the way you're generous does not make sense unless Christ is real. It does not make sense unless there is eternal life with him. Live your life in such a way it does not make sense unless there's not eternity with Christ forever. Invest that way, give that way. Have you truly been redeemed through Jesus Christ? His death on the cross, burial, resurrection, you're forgiven in him and now we live our lives in such a way that Christ is real because he is. So we store up treasures in heaven because Jesus is real. All right, so that's the two treasures. Jesus gets more convicting. He talks about two eyes. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. What's he talking about here? Well, it's hard to pin down the imagery, but it seems to have an emphasis on a healthy eye. If the eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. Maybe the healthy eye, it could be referring to a generous life. That's the context. A singleness of vision, probably a reference to both. Singleness of vision, a generous life. And those who are focused on the kingdom will have an entire life of generosity. Well, the flip side is the bad eye. Look at verse 23. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If in the darkness that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So the bad eye is the, the greedy eye, the, the stingy. Uh, it shows what's in their hearts. Well, here, here's, here's one way to think about it, right? If you have a healthy eye, we just talk about your heart and your mind. If it's right and full of generosity and caring for the kingdom things, your life is going to be on fire in a good way. But if it's unhealthy, there is darkness in you, in your heart, in your mind, because you don't care about kingdom things or storing up treasures in heaven. So what we're needing to, to do here is have our lives consumed with kingdom things and kingdom giving that's related to the gospel of Jesus. So I, I run in a variety of circles that have to do with uh, adoption. Uh, and I run into people and I talk to them and have interesting conversations about their children or their adoption story and adopting their kids. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, adopting internationally uh, is very expensive. We're not talking 2,500 bucks. We're talking probably 25,000 to $40,000. We can get into that conversation of why it's so expensive at another time, but it's very expensive. So I was talking to this one guy that had four biological kids and they were adopting three internationally. So just do the math. That's a lot. And I'm like, because uh, he didn't seem to be a very rich man at all, very simple man. And I was poking around, I'm like, how can you afford that? And he said, well, I'll try to do a little bit of fundraisers here and there, but we didn't get much money. So I just took out a loan. Now, I do wonder, 
I tell you that story, do you think that is just so irresponsible? People take out loans on houses all the time, and we never think that. People take out loans on cars all the time. We don't think that. But if I tell you, he took out a loan to care for these kids, you think, well, that's, that's financially irresponsible. Do you see how we think uh, as Americans? Th- th- think about a financial advisor. I'm not dogging financial advisors, but just think about them for a second. The poor widow who put in everything she owned in the temple, she goes to visit a financial advisor. She says, I'm thinking about putting in everything. He's thinking you're crazy, right? What did she do? She just put it all in. Worship. This guy taking out a loan to care for kids. Worship. We need to kind of think different, right? Are we going to put treasures in heaven or are we just going to just throw them out here on this earth? Moth and rust destroy. We want our lives on fire for the kingdom and the kingdom things and the things that are God considers worthwhile. And he wants us to just lay it all out there. God, whatever you want to do, I give it all, including my money, which is your money for the kingdom. All right, Jesus is really, he's hitting them now. And then he hits with two masters. This is, this is the one that should stick with you, right? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus is making a connection between God as master or money as master. You're going to be a slave either to God or money. You can't serve two masters but only one. And if you think, for those of you who think you're going to be smart and come along and you're going to be able to serve two masters, you know what that's called? That's called the two masters disaster. If you think you can do both, give it a shot. And you have a life of disaster, the two masters disasters. Because when you try to serve both, you realize that money is a demanding master who wants it all from you. And you cannot serve God at the same time because God is asking you, requiring of you, your whole life, your whole heart, your whole mind, everything. So don't fall prey to the two masters' disasters. We have one master, and that's God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's think about this. It's, this, is, this is fun to, to preach on, but if you don't think about it practically, you'll be okay. But once you start getting practical with it, then it's really not okay, all right? So let's just think about this practically. What does this really mean day to day? Come on, hit me. Here we go. All right, here we go. You have a choice every day, every purchase between God as our master and money as our master, and it comes up frequently, You're making these decisions all the time, and you may think these are just mindless decisions while I've just brought them to your mind, all right? Randy Alcorn, great author, he says this. He says, before we buy something, he said, examine every purchase in light of its ministry potential. His point is every time we spend money, we gain something and we lose something. So, for example... You go after the service today and you spend $20 on lunch. And that's okay to do. It's okay to do. Don't feel guilty. But that $20 you spend on lunch is $20 that could be used elsewhere. Perhaps caring for the poor 
I mean, you're just making those decisions. It's okay, but that's just what you're doing. When you buy some new technology <laughs> and upgrade your phone, 250 bucks, 500, 800, you're making a decision. It's okay. It's okay. But you're making a decision to invest there instead of taking that money with regard to the advancement of the kingdom. You're making decisions every day with the things you buy. And you may think, well, that's really extreme to say. But you know what? We need that extreme teaching, don't we? Because we're so conditioned to not even think about what we're doing. The money's just there, so we just spend it. But we're making decisions every day. And so what we need to do, according to to Christ, is be directed by the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and, and your conscience, so we make sure that we're submitting our money and our lives to our master and serving him alone. So we have two treasures, two eyes, and two masters. And because of Jesus, there is freedom. He has freed us from our sins. He's made us new in him. He's given us eternal life. And now you have the opportunity and the freedom to give to the glory of God. But just like someone can be in bondage to lust, people can be in bondage to greed. And when I would preach on lust to the college students, there was many who needed to repent and ask for forgiveness. Now, I'm not going to make an assumption here, but I think I probably can that almost all of us with regard to money and greed probably need to repent and ask for forgiveness, right? It almost probably includes all of us, I mean, right? Probably all of us, almost. And what we need to do is have a sense where we're in community and we're talking about these things in community or we're, we're, we're just interacting with one another in community where we can say, okay, just as I want you to live a pure life, I also want you to live a generous life. Also, we walk in holiness, in purity and holiness in what we would consider uh, the sexual moral life. We would say also walk in purity and holiness with regard to life of generosity. It matters. So I think in time of closing here, it would be appropriate to go to a time of prayer where we can repent, find grace, and the power to live the generous life. So let's all bow our heads right now. Lord, you see us. You have given us so much. And much has been given to those in here, and you say that much will be required. You've given us houses and cars, beautiful place to live, And you say we can enjoy it without guilt. But you also call us to the generous life. So Lord, where we are not being generous in our giving, I just ask you forgive us. We repent for the ways that we've not cared for the poor and the suffering. We repent of the ways that we've not cared for the advancement of the kingdom While our missionaries suffer out on the field, we live in luxury, we repent.
We repent of the ways that we've turned away and not cared for those who need our aid that you've given to us. So we ask, Lord, that this just shouldn't be a, a small exercise in repentance, that this would be a time where you change our hearts and our minds and that we would be able to think about the decisions we make this entire week and everything we do. You've called us, Lord, to invest in your kingdom, to store up treasures in heaven. May we actually do that by your grace and by your power. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.